The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. Those of you guys who were here last week, didn't Beth do a fantastic job? Oh, man. That was so good. If you missed it, go online, check it out. So good. Um, If you're tired and worn out, you should really go listen to it because she speaks on those retreat disciplines. Man, rest and Sabbath and, and celebration is so good. Well, we are, we, are, we have been in this, this series we're, called, we're calling Ancient Paths, this Ancient Paths series. And it comes from our, our key verse is Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And uh, it says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody need a little bit of rest for your soul today? Man, I I constantly do. But this is what it says, stand at the crossroads, look, ask for the ancient paths. Now we believe, and I'm not gonna re-preach the first few weeks of this, but we believe that that Jesus really came as the embodiment of that ancient path. I mean, he came way after this was written, but he came and he lived it. And and he, he walked this life and said, hey, come follow me. So hey, you live like me. So often we see just the things that Jesus did in the moment and think if I can just do the things that he did in the moment, but it wasn't the things in the moment that made him who he was. It was the things, this is the lifestyle, it was the way that he lived his life. So God says, hey, I've got this plan. I have this path. God made us, remember? God made us as human beings. He made us and he said, hey, here, I know the best way for you. I know the absolute best way for you because I made you. And, and there is this path. There is this way. And, and um, sometimes we miss that. <laughs> Oftentimes we miss that. And so we spent the first, uh, last few weeks looking at some of these pathways, like Bible reading and, and, and Bible study and Bible meditation. We looked at prayer and meditation and, and, uh, and, and worship. We looked at, last week, the, these retreat things like, like rest and, and Sabbath and celebration. And, and these ones are, are kind of given. So they're the one that once you give your life to Jesus, everybody says, read your Bible, pray, and go to church, Right? It's these, these, like, read your Bible, okay, God, pray, okay, and then you do the church thing, like, schedule, which there's a lot of reasons we go to church, but one of them is, is scheduling the retreat from the world, right? Scheduling that time and say, I'm going di- to dis- discipline myself to step away from the busyness of life, the things that I have to do and want to do and need to do to be able to just worship God and, and, and hear his word, right? Those ones are given. We, we kind of get all of, all of that. But there's more to the Christian life than just praying, read your Bible, and going to church, isn't there? There are certain ways of being, ways of living that, that, that God says, hey, hey, here, come, come here, follow me. Let, me. let me show you how to do this. And so as we move into the next few weeks, we're going to look at some, some other, other disciplines, other spiritual pathways that, that God has, has kind of laid out through Scripture. Some of them are very traditional. You can read all kinds of books and all kinds of stuff about them. Um, and uh, research. Some, like the ones we're going to look at today, uh, you can still find plenty on them, maybe not quite as prominent. 
Um, but they're all kinds of stuff. So you can see them up on the screen. We've got back at the, uh, the Welcome Center, we've got little cards that have all this on there. But in front of you, there's this card. A lot of you have already pulled this out, the Ancient Paths card. You can pull it out. You can look at it. It just challenges you to, to think through these disciplines, the ones that are up here on the screen. What, which ones are your, kind of your strength? Which ones um, are an area that you definitely feel like you need to grow in? Which ones are, are which one is, is maybe a, a one that you're like, hey, I don't know much about that. I want to, I want to, explore that a little bit. And it says that witness down there, have somebody sign it so you can work on it, have some accountability in it. So I just want to do kind of, we're kind of midway through looking at these. I want to give a quick check-in, see how people are doing. The goal was each week, week by week, right? If you were to take all of these and be like, I think I need to do every single one of these every single day, you'd wear yourself out and you wouldn't have any ability to live the rest of your life. Okay. That's not the goal. The goal is to, hey, let's begin to slowly implement new disciplines in our lives until these disciplines become lifestyle. That's the, that's the object. That's the goal. It's not to be disciplined so that I can be super Christian, but it's rather like I want to learn how to walk this path, which means it starts by doing something that doesn't come natural to me and putting it into my life, and I do this until it becomes a part of my life, right? And so let me, let me ask this. The, the goal and is to each week we're going to look at a different category and, and to just like focus on the one. How many of you, just by show of hands, I realize that by asking this question, I'm gonna present the temptation to be a liar, but I'm just gonna trust your integrity, okay? How many of you have said, like, at some point, not every single one, not every single week, but at some point, the last three weeks, we've been looking, focusing on those first three categories, have said, I have intentionally tried to practice at least one of these at least one time. Let me see, show of hands, okay? Okay, good, 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 good. We got a bunch of people who said, hey, I haven't done this. Now, let me ask this question. Um, how many of you would say, when I attempted this, and maybe you've been doing it this whole time, or you picked one to focus on, or maybe you just did one one time, said it was pure work, and I didn't quite see the benefit of it right away. Anybody? Anybody? Or just like, it's still struggleful. Okay. Some of you are sheepishly raising your hand. It's okay. It's okay. That's how this stuff works sometimes. Okay. How many of you would say that when I tried it, I, just by the grace of God, I saw some really cool things right away when I, when I started practicing these. How many of you would say that? Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And then the rest of you are like, I don't really want to raise my hands. That's, that's fine too, okay? Um, uh, but now he's like, oh shoot, they're calling me out. I raised my hand the first time. I don't remember what I raised my hand for. I just raised my hand because the guy sitting next to me raised their hand. I've been there. I know how that works, okay? Um, listen, my, my goal in, in asking that is just say, hey, listen, sometimes you lean into these disciplines and it's just hard. And it's not a one-to-one, like I put in, I get out by the end of the day kind of thing. We're learning a new lifestyle. Anybody from the spiritual world to the secular lifestyle coach is going to tell you that you will not be able to drastically change your lifestyle in three weeks. This is something that we're saying, God, I see your pathway for my life. And so I'm committed to stick to this hard thing because I see the lasting benefit of the consistency of this principle in my life. Does that make sense? So let me just encourage you. If you're just like, this is still hard, keep going. The benefit is still around the corner. We gotta trust God's process that he's leading you in the right place, all right? So I, 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 wanna, I wanna just jump into this next one because it's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different than maybe some of the first ones, right? We got Bible and prayer and retreat. And so I wanted to, to, to pair up this retreat set of disciplines with rest and Sabbath and celebration with the active disciplines, 
work and, and I think on the original list, and if you go pick up a list, it says work and exercise. But I know that's not exercise is not the word that I, I I wanted, it's just one word instead of two, and so I put it on there. But if you think of going to the gym, yeah, that could apply to this, but just bear with me for a minute. It's more physical activity than it is exercise. And, and I'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about here when we get there. So I want to come, come about these spiritual disciplines from f- kind of a different angle, okay? So bear with me here. You realize that every good thing that you have in your life came from God, Right? everything. James put it this way. James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Do you believe that? Do you believe that every good thing that you have, every good thing that you've experienced is actually a gift from God? You know, sometimes it's so easy to think that I've earned the good things that I've had, I've got. I've earned the good life that I live. And, and it's, it's tempting to think that way because we are rational people. And we can watch, I made this good decision, this good decision, this good decision, this good decision. Therefore, I've got this good life. And yet those are all true. But who gave you the, even the ability, the mind, the reason to be able to make those good decisions in the first place? Every good thing we have is a gift from God. So I, I want to look at some of the original gifts that God gave. Some of the original gifts that God gave. I want to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, okay? God gave Adam a few gifts. In fact, everything he had, just like us, is a gift from God. I want to look at two of the gifts that God gave Adam because I think they're gifts that I know they're gifts that God has continued to give us. And it, and it kind of sets up the framework of, of how to see this next couple of spiritual disciplines. First one I want to look at is, is God gave Adam, gift number one, a job. Gift number one, he gave him a job. Now, I, I think I had a slightly skewed uh, theology, maybe growing up, even into my Bible school days, like without really studying this very well. I, I, I think the, the understanding, the idea that I had about the Garden of Eden and how work came into play kind of followed the storyline. This is kind of what I was thinking. I was like, so God creates Adam and Eve, and they're just like in this living naked in paradise, like with God, and it's wonderful, right? fantastic. They're just sitting back and swinging in hammocks and eating grapes, and it's wonderful, right? And then they sinned, and then God's like, all right, time to get to work, you sinner. Okay, that's, that was the picture that I had in my mind, but that's not how the storyline goes down. In, in fact, God creates, God creates Adam, and before God gives Adam a wife, he gave Adam a job. Did you know that? Now, don't think, don't think chronology, right, like supersedes, okay? He gave him a job so that he could find out his need for a partner, okay? So the job led to Eve. Anyway, but this is what it said. It's just God and Adam. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, perfect paradise. This is like heaven on earth. And he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care and to take care of it. Wait a second. How can perfection and paradise consist of working? I I know you're thinking it too, right? Like, and yet work is a part of the promise. 
Work is a part, and, and actually, because of this, in my own theology, when I, when I, God is going to restore all things back to like Garden of Eden kind of days, when we live with him forever, I, I kind of have a tendency to think that when we go into heaven, whatever that's going to look like someday, that you're probably going to have a job. So just brace yourself for that, okay? Um. Here's the deal. You and I are created in the image of God, right? And isn't it, isn't it cool? Like, have you ever had this? If you see little kids, you got a little two or three-year-old, and maybe dad's, say, a handyman, or maybe he just likes to fix it, whether it's his professional job or just what he is. And so, and, and the little two or three-year-old gets a tool belt for his birthday and then can't take it off because he's going to be, every time dad's whether it's major projects or changing a light bulb, he's got his tool belt on because he wants to be just like dad, right? Because he sees how dad works and he wants to work like his father and he, right? Or, or, or maybe whatever it might be. Um, Faye, she's four, right? So we went to a graduation party for my niece, Kayla. And, um, and Faye, I hadn't seen this. She must've made this card for her when she, when, when she was with Beth. And she, I, I watched her give her the card and the card says, congratulations. You know, Beth's writing out all the letters, so she writes, or oh, whatever. So it says, congratulations. And she opens the card. It says, from plant lady Faye. <laughs> She's like, well, my mom's a plant lady, and so I help her water the plants. So I'm a plant lady too. So she signs her card from plant lady Faye. And there's part of my heart that I'm like, oh, I love that. She just wants to be like her mom, you know? Here's the thing. God is a worker. God is a worker. And last week, I, I get it. We talked about the rest disciplines and we need to rest and we need to learn rhythms of work and rest. But if we work all day and never rest, we're not going to walk in the fullness of the life that Christ called us to. And if we rest all day and never work, we're not going to walk in the fullness of the life that Christ has called us to. There is a rhythm that God has designed into the fabric of the world that we got to kind of sort of at least a little bit figure out. And so that's why these disciplines are so helpful for us. Some of us really lean into the rest ones. <laughs> yeah, I like leaning into the rest ones. We don't want to admit it because that's a cultural no-no, right? You don't want to be inactive. God forbid you not be productive for a minute. But we like to, right? And there's others of us that are like, I don't even know how, what do you mean by rest? What, is, what does that look like? You mean sleep? I do that for about four hours a day, right? But, but what about, I, I'm just working, right? There's, and we lean on either side of this, but I want to look at this, the, the work that we do, not as a necessary evil, but as a spiritual discipline. And what did we say that was the goal of all spiritual disciplines? Anybody remember? Shoot, we've been saying it for three weeks. Somebody, somebody help me. Oh, no. So what is the goal of all of our spiritual disciplines? Oneness. There it is. It's oneness with God. Like there, we don't, the moment that our spiritual disciplines become an end in of themselves, the moment the spiritual discipline is so that I can feel good about myself or that I can measure me versus you so that I know if I'm more spiritual or if I'm doing it right or maybe whatever the reason might be, we've missed the point altogether. The point of the spiritual disciplines is oneness with Christ, to receive the grace that he's given us and to experience oneness with him. So I want to look at work as a means of experiencing God's grace and experiencing oneness with God. Now, here's some things I want to notice about this. I want you to notice about this. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God 
took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Notice what it doesn't say. I'm going to, I'm borrowing from Pastor Grady here. This is like, he's got a whole, he could teach on a week about this. Notice he didn't say, he created him and then he gave him the garden. He didn't, he didn't do that. God created the Garden of Eden, paradise. He didn't say, he, he wrote the deed and he put it in his name. It still belonged to God. He just said, hey, hey Adam, I want, you to, I want you to work it. And this is why. Because I'm a worker and there's fulfillment and satisfaction and blessing and, 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 and purpose and richness in life in working. And what do I mean by working? I mean bringing meaningful contribution to the world. We, we like to be the judge of whose meaningful contribution is more substantial than others, right? Is a, is a brain surgeon more important, or important than a gardener? Well, Adam was a gardener, so that'd be a hard argument to make. Like, that was the first job. Take care of the garden. What? God created beauty. Adam's job? To keep it fresh. To organize it. <laughs> to to protect the beauty that God has created. Create, or, or finding that meaningful contribution to the world. And that can look like so many different things. Just make sure you don't think we're just running too far with a verse. I mean, look at um, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were born, God had work for you to do. And I know we live in this like season of grace where we don't like to talk about that because we want to be like, hey, it's all about grace. It doesn't matter what you do. You're right. Your works don't earn you salvation. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the ancient pathways that bring life and fullness to this life that we have here on earth. You can cling with a white knuckle grip to your salvation till the day you die or Christ returns and then just, whoo, I made it. Or you can experience the fullness of the life of, with Christ right here and now. And there's some ways that we can do that. And one of that is through understanding work as a means of God's grace to us. He's given us this gift of work to do. And, and here's another one, Colossians chapter 3. This is an interesting, interesting one. I'll just give this little brief bit of context so we could go way further into this. But let's remember that Jesus, Paul, the biblical authors, their goal is not to fix broken social systems, but rather to teach us how to follow Jesus in the context of broken social systems. You'll know what I mean here in just a second. He's about to encourage slaves to be good workers. Like, there's a part of us that like, you can't do that. <laughs> you should say, slaves rebel. Anyway, but he's not trying to fix the broken system. But he's saying, he's, he's, he's trying to teach us how to be followers of Jesus in the broken systems we live in. This is what he says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. This is the verse we know. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You know, we, we hear that verse a lot, but we don't want to put it in the context of slavery, but that's the context it was written in. He says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. But here's the reason why that really, 
we tend to get caught up on like, I don't make enough. I don't make what I deserve. I don't get treated as well as I deserve. My boss is unfair. My boss is unjust. I don't get like, I don't, I should be, I should be doing better than this. You don't treat me with enough respect. You don't, listen, are any of those things wrong? Maybe not. You can quit if you want to and go find another job. But while you're there, while you're under your boss's authority, while you're in that place, which is, I'm not putting my words, I'll use Paul's. With sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, work at it with all your heart. I guess here's the question. When you go to work, who are you working for? Are you working for your boss? But here, here's the problem. Here, here's the problem. We get in trouble for two reasons in this work area. This is why when we think of the garden had work or maybe paradise forever with God in heaven someday is going to have jobs to do that. that uh, because we tend, to, we tend to make two misses, right? God has placed us in a garden, right? God didn't get, place Adam in the whole world and say, take care of all of it. He gave him parameters. He said, here's the garden. You take care of it. You work it, take care of it. God has given each of us a garden and said, you work it and take care of it. Some of us are big gardens, some of us are small gardens, some of us are professional gardens, some of us are small, are, are family gardens, some of us are friend gardens, but God has given you a garden to work. The problem is we make two mistakes. We either want to own the garden or we neglect the garden. That's our tendency. We either want to own it, right? And this is what we do, right? We compartmentalize work in our spiritual lives. This is so easy to do. Like, and that's where we go like, I deserve better and I want more and I, I deserve this and I need a promotion and, and you don't pay me enough. What happens is all my rights come up and all my, all my dissatisfaction, oh, this isn't fair and this isn't fair and this shouldn't be and, I, and you don't treat me well and I, I need to demand respect and I, all this kind of thing. Which is attitude, if we pull it into the light and say we're followers of Christ first, we go this oh, this attitude doesn't look anything like the attitude of Jesus. But we are so good at compartmentalizing our work life and our spiritual life. What if there wasn't a difference? What if every day you got up to go to your nine to five, you were actually engaging and invited God into this and said, God, I want to serve you and serve the people that you've brought into my garden. Now, some of you may be like, well, I, I own my own business. So literally, I do own the garden. Do you? Like if, you're, if your business went under, you don't think God is your provider? You think like that'd just be the end of your life? Or do you not think that God is actually the provider? He owns your business and he's allowed you the opportunity to work it. Do you think that you will own it forever, that you will never die or that somebody else will come and run your business for you or it'll die with you either way? It's not yours, it's his. There's no scenario in which we own our own work and yet we strive for ownership. If I could just own it, if I could just, and this is what, we, this is how we do this. It's like, I feel the weight and the burdens of the result of my work. And God has never called you to do that. You, you find a place in the scripture where God calls his people to own the results of their obedience. He just says, no, no, no. I've given you the privilege and the blessing of work, of making a meaningful contribution to the world, whether it's the organization of the beauty that I've created, whether it is serving mankind, serving your clients, serving your employer, serving your employee, serving management, whatever it might be. But how do you see your job as bringing 
meaningful, meaningful contribution to the world. Some, some people are like, this is really hard for me. I'm just like a cog in this big old wheel and like this big old machine, and I, I'm just nothing. I would challenge you, I'd encourage you really to say, how is what I do for an occupation, as a job, as a profession, how am I serving people? How am I bringing joy to people? How am I serving in need? And maybe you're like, I can't figure it out. I don't even believe in the company that I work for. I, I, I don't even know. Well, how are you serving the person, your direct report? How do you serve the person that's, that's asked you to do work? How, is your, how are your clients? And, and because, w- listen, what you do as a job matters in your spiritual life. God says, no, 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 this is a blessing. You get to go serve people. What's the greatest command? Love God and love others. And how did Jesus model the greatest way to show that love? He served. And so we think of work as a necessary evil, but I want to challenge us to rethink how we view work because our work is service of our king regardless of who's signing our paychecks, right? So, um, yeah, here's the problem. We try to own the garden. Uh, We want to carry the burden of the results for what we do, and we can't. We got to let go. The success or the failure of our efforts is not something that's in our control. We're just need to be faithful to do what has been asked of us. Or the other thing is that we tend to neglect the garden, right? We either want to like lean all the way into it or lean completely out of it or we neglect it and push it off. Now, here's the deal. Let me ask this question. Is, is all work employment? Somebody help me here. No, obviously not. Did Adam get paid? Was, was Adam making a paycheck when he's taking care of the garden? Absolutely not. So we got to remember that the work that we've been given by God, the garden that we're in to work and care for does not always coincide with a paycheck, right? We got parents who are are stay at home and taking care of the kids. Listen, they don't get a paycheck, but they're caring for the garden. I I was listening to an audio book by Brant Hansen called The Men We Need. Good book, highly recommend it. But he's talking about uh, just challenging the perspective of, of our busy production-oriented culture. And he said, uh, he's specifically writing to men, but it could apply either way. He said, men, if, if, if you've got young children at home, not everybody's in that stage, but if you're in the season of life, you have young children at home, the garden that you are called to take care of and protect, first and foremost, is your home. It is not a season for career advancement. It is a season to take care of the garden that God has placed you in. Whew. You can advance in your career later, uh, but you need to take care of your family today. Not everybody's in that season, Um, but you need to understand, you and I as individuals, we need to understand what's the garden that God has put me in. I'm going to work it, and I'm going to take care of it to his glory, not for mine. Um, So what garden has God put you in? Uh, let 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 me touch on something else here. We live in an interesting culture. And, and it's so easy for our cultural values to creep into just the way that we're thinking and bleed into our spiritual values. But I want, I want to talk about the retirement culture in, in the society that we live in today. Um, here's kind of the general American dream, right? Work hard most of my life so that I can enjoy life at the end of my life. Right? Isn't that kind of how that works? If I work hard now, then I'll be able to play in the last however section of life it is. 
whether you're retiring at 55 or 60 or 65 or 70 or 75 or 80, I don't know what it is, but the retirement mindset that says, I will work now so I never have to work another day after that. Before we just buy into culture's assumptions, let's hold that up to scripture. God has invited us into the blessing of work. Why would we throw that away? Why would we, why would we live our lives and orient our lives around getting to a day that I don't have to work someday? Now listen, I'm not saying retirement's bad. Some of you are like, okay. Retirement is a blessing of God that not all cultures get, but we have the opportunity for that to be a thing. So enjoy it. But remember, work is not predicated on a paycheck. So let me just encourage those who are nearing retirement, just retired or in retirement, that God has created you to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. He didn't create you to do good works until you turned 62. Right? And, and I understand we have to give ourselves grace in transition seasons of life. So as you're near or in a, a, a retirement transition season, it's okay to not know what you're gonna do the day after you retire. Or you probably got that week planned, the week after you retire. It's okay to not know what you're gonna do. Give yourself grace. Give yourself a year of grace. But at some point in time, we gotta remember that God has called you to make an investment in the world that he's placed you in. And so maybe, maybe it means uh, getting a part-time job where you're just around people doing something that you enjoy. It doesn't mean you have to work 40 hours a week until the day you die. But it does mean you need to be, stay in, you need to be involved in meaningful contribution to the world. And, and maybe, maybe that's you become the volunteer king or queen of your community and you just go to different organizations and you volunteer at City Impact or City Mission or the Pregnancy Center or one of dozens of fantastic gospel-centered uh, nonprofits, or maybe maybe you you find uh, somewhere. To, may, maybe it's just a, maybe like I can't get out, like because it's just physical. So I can't. You know what? Maybe you've got the work of encouragement ministry, and you take somebody different to lunch. Monday through Friday or coffee every single week. And that is, and you just keep a schedule and you have an encouraged ministry and you're gonna speak life into somebody. Maybe it's, you wanna, you can mentor somebody. You know somebody that you're a professional in, you've got experience in it and you wanna bring somebody else up. Let me just, let me just speak to this, this one really quick because this is something I see a disconnect in generations. There, there's a generation that would love to mentor a younger generation. And can I tell you, there's a younger generation who'd love to be mentored by an older generation. There's a communication mix up. So if you're tired and retired and you're like, I wanna be somebody who speaks into life and I wanna mentor somebody else. You know how you like you look at like a 22 a, a year old college graduate who still lives in, 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 uh, in their parents' house and doesn't search for jobs and just is waiting around for somebody to offer them a job while they sit in their pajamas all day? You know the kind of things you think about that person? Because they don't go out and find work? Now you're like, oh, I want to do the work of mentoring, but I'm going to sit around and wait till somebody offers me the opportunity to, do you see the similarities to that? <clears throat> if, you want, if you want 
to obey God and find the fullness of life in work, go find work. Find somebody you think might value your opinion. Say, hey, I'd be willing to sit down with you once a month, once a week if you want to, and be okay with them saying, I don't have that time. Don't take that personally, okay? Here's the bottom line. I'm getting tan- I'm tangenting a little bit. God has something for you to do. Maybe it's not retirement for you, but you're in a different season of life where you don't have like regular employment. Listen, you've got work to do. I don't know what it is, and I can't tell you what it is, but God has something to do because when you begin to engage in the work that God has set, if you begin to take care of the garden that God has placed you in, you'll find fulfillment and purpose and life like you've never known before. It's rich. All right. So here's the second gift. That's the first gift. The first gift is work. First gift is a job. The first gift that God gave, well, not the first gift, but one of the gifts, first one we'll look at, is this work. But here's really the first gift that God gave Adam was a body. He gave him a physical body. Now, there's a lot of reasons that he gave us a physical body. We all know that this body, this flesh that is me, is not like the deepest, richest, fullest part of who I am. It's not even the realest part of who I am. This body will die, and my soul, and again, we're not going to get lost in the weeds here, whether you call soul or spirit or your emotion or heart or whatever. We're not going to get lost in all that. My inner person who's going to live forever, let's leave it at that, is more substantial and significant than this body. That being said, God gave me this body as a gift in order to fulfill the work that he's called me to do, among other things, but that's one of the things he gave me a body for, right? Now, Romans 12, 1 Present your bodies, not just heart and mind. See, we, we love in the Christian world, in the church world, we love to keep it all up here. We love to keep it up here. And then if we're really deep, we bring it to here, right? It's all mental and it's all emotional. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. But then he says, and strength. Paul says, present your bodies. This physical body that I've been given is a gift from God. Present it to him as a living sacrifice. Now, I want to talk about something that tends to make people feel uncomfortable. But such is the spiritual life. The body that you have is a gift that you've been given to God. And I want to take care of it. Because... I have a four-year-old today. I want to be, as much as it depends on me, my life is fragile, anything can happen at any time. But as much as it depends on me, I want to be able to disciple and speak life and truth and wisdom into my four-year-old's children. Which means I have to live a certain way for that to happen. This isn't about body shaming or any of that kind of stuff. Listen, because here's the deal. The world's view of taking care of my body is always goals oriented. The goal, obviously, to be a swimsuit model. That's everybody's physical goal, right? But there's some of us, maybe, maybe not, some of us who've come to a point in our lives where we've said, I don't think I'm ever going to be a swimsuit model. I mean, there's some of you out there, maybe. 
And, and so what do we do? We say, if I can't be a swimsuit model, then I'm done. Because the world's way of viewing this discipline of taking care of my body is all goals-oriented. The spiritual disciplines are about oneness with Christ and adopting a healthy lifestyle. There's sometimes you get to a point, whether it's illness, whether, it's, whether it is physical neglect of this garden that I have been given, whatever it is, but you're, you're at a point in life like, oh, I can never reverse time. I can never look like I did when I was 20 again. That's not ever the goal, guys. Never the goal. The goal is to take steps towards health that will enable me to do the work that he has for me as long as I possibly can. And here's why I'm implementing it into the spiritual disciplines. Because once upon, Jesus didn't have to teach about this because they woke up in the morning and then they, their transportation to work was walking. And then when they worked, it was physical activity. And then their transportation back, you guessed it, walking. Like, so there was no physical discipline of keeping, of staying physically active because it was just like life. Today, our transportation is sitting and our jobs are sitting, our transportation back is sitting, and then our entertainment is more sitting. So all I'm just going to say this, like, I don't, it's not about our body. It's not about our shape. It's not about all that. Like, listen, we got to take care of ourselves. And one of the things that is really, really easy to not even notice is happening is we never move. And when we don't use our body and we don't have physical activity, and when I say physical activity, go for a walk. Walk around your block every day. Start there if you don't do that. Stretch it out to a little bit further. Like, like use your body because our bodies are, like, are kind of a use it or lose it kind of deal. Right? You watch what happens if somebody ends up in the hospital and they're in a bed for a long period of time and they don't move. You watch how fast they, their whole body atrophies, right? Well, now, what if it's not quite so concentrated and it's just spread out a little bit longer and it's not quite as sedentary, but still mostly sedentary? Guess what happens? Our bodies atrophy. The world happens. The world is broken. Disease is everywhere. Our bodies are frail. Listen, so I understand we can't control all the variables, but the ones I can control, I want to make sure that I am here faithfully ready to follow God and the work he has for me as long as I possibly can. Some of the most meaningful weight loss I've ever done is when I realized that it is about self-denial because I don't want to indulge me, but I'm humbly submitting to God. Sarge McDonald, I heard him say one time, let's quote the verse, fully aware that it's totally out of context, but in an Old Testament verse, it says the fat belongs to the Lord. And I thought, oh man, that's good. Uh, but in all seriousness, this is something that in, because of our current culture and the way that things are, that everybody wants to say, you're fine just the way that you are and God loves you just the way. Yes, duh. It's not about being okay. It is not about the shame. It's about learning to adjust to a, to a lifestyle that is gonna allow me to walk as closely with my savior and do the work he's called me to as long as possible. So we need to rest, yes. But Beth referenced this last week when she said, sometimes our Sabbath we shouldn't just sit on the TV and watch Netflix all day. That's not Sabbathing. We're not taking care of ourselves. Last, in fact, last, 
last time, last Monday, my Sabbath day, it was a rest day. It was fantastic. And Beth's like, hey, you want to walk six miles? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, but then we did. And I, same thing that happens every single time. I do it. And I'm like, oh, guess what? When I submit to healthy patterns in life, I feel better. And over the long run, I want to be better. And so let me just encourage you. On these, sometimes we look at the spiritual disciplines as like these very spiritually things. But the spiritual life is a life lived in the flesh, in the material world, where we work, where we stay active, where we take care of, of the garden God has placed in us, and we work. And, and, and we take care of the body that he's given us because he's given us some gifts. And I want to be the best stewards of the gift that God has given us. We know the parable of the, the, the guys who received all the different varying gifts and two of them went and invested it and one hid it in the backyard. I don't want to hide my health in the backyard. I don't want to hide my work in the backyard. I want to give it all. I want to live big. I want to go all in. Finding that rhythm of work and rest. Finding that pathway that Christ leads us into a full life in him. Father, we thank you for leading us into health, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. God, these ancient paths, these spiritual disciplines is this, this life that you have marked out that's gonna lead us to the fullness and, and, and purpose and, and fulfillment in life. God, be it in prayer or be it in going for a walk on my lunch break. God, I want to live the fullness of life with you as long as I can. I wanna find richness in my work. I wanna find fullness in my activity. Finding rest and retreat in you and doing it all over again. God, I thank you that you care about the mundane, physical, normal, everyday aspects of our lives. It can feel a little bit intimidating. But God, I want to learn to follow you. Father, we want to learn what a healthy life in you looks like in every front. So God, our bodies are yours. Our jobs are yours. Our retirement is yours. Our family is yours. God, help me be a good steward of the gifts you've given that I might find fullness, that we might find richness in a life walked with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.